Thank you, Scott, for finally turning that off. All right. The Gospel of Matthew. Um, We're continuing um, in our look at the Sermon on the Mount, brothers and sisters. And today, uh, chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. So I encourage you to hear these words. Jesus preaches, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and let's pray. God, we do give you praise this morning for the opportunity to hear Voices being raised to you, to be able to hear about things like Great Banquet and the ways in which you are at work in this body. And now, Lord, we come to you praying that you would speak to us as we reflect upon your word, as we reflect upon the scripture, God, that it would open up our eyes, that we might see you and see this world even more clearly than when we came in. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. So last week I mentioned that sometimes um, people will uh, make a comment to me a few days after a sermon, a comment or a question about it, and I'm oftentimes I get a little nervous because I can't always remember exactly what it was that I had preached just a few days earlier. And, and how, if, if it's difficult for me, my guess is that must be very difficult for you all um, who are just simply hearing the sermon. And so I thought that maybe, even though this may feel redundant, um, uh, that maybe it would be important important for us just to quickly kind of go over what we've been learning in Jesus's sermon on the mount. We started the very first week with the Beatitudes and um, we started by remembering that Jesus instead of just sitting around and continuing to gain in popularity he decided to go up on a mount with his disciples in order to help form a community. A community, as you may recall, hopefully, because we keep talking about this, that is a glimpse to God's coming kingdom. And the beatitude that we most focused upon was the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And a part of the reason why that is such an important beatitude is because of the fact that, that as you're trying to do the ethics that Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, we will inevitably fail at times. And in those moments of failure, what we are to remember is to be driven back to that very first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Remembering that the community in which Jesus wants to work through is not a community or a person who thinks that he or she is perfect, but are those who realize that they are in great need of God's grace, forgiveness, and love. That that is a community through which Jesus can work. 
But if we're going to be that community, we said, if we, then we have to be salt and light. We talked about the fact that if you're going to be the salt, you can't just kind of be like a salt shaker that's really close to the food because that doesn't change the food at all, but that you actually have to be applied to the food in some way. In other words, we can't just kind of stay within these walls or within our homes and think that we can be the salt to the world. And the things that we need to do oftentimes in order to be the salt and the light is the ways in which we relate to one another and to others. If you're here, you recall we talked about the fact that we can't be a people who are angry or resentful of people or a people who lust after one another. Because when we do those things, other people simply become objects of our scorn or our desire. And we do not look at them as a creation of God that they actually are. In the same way, we talked about the notion of divorce and how Jesus was, of course, against divorce for the fact that it's a severing of relationship. And Jesus believes that relationship is absolutely essential. And so we have to be a community that helps cultivate good marriages. However, we also said that if we are about healthy relationship, then that also means not simply isolating those who have gone through broken relationships, but welcoming them with love and grace. And in so doing, do we reflect the love and grace of Jesus Christ? But when we talk about loving, that must include even our enemies, even those who have done something wrong to us, even those who frustrate or annoy or anger us. When Jesus talks about turning the other cheek or about walking the extra mile, what he's really saying is surprise people by the way that you are acting. Because when you respond in the same way that you have been treated, then all you are doing is pointing to your humanity. And you are not pointing beyond yourself to God and to the coming kingdom of God. Which then brings us to the Lord's Prayer. And that's what we talked about last week. And last week we handed out these little cards here. And I know that not everybody was here. It was President's Day weekend. One of the things that I've learned in this area, it's really, my wife and I, we laugh about it. I think it's very funny, is that that if you have a half day off of work or even a half day off at school, people in our area will be like, you know what? I think we can make it to Morocco and back before things get started again, right? And sure enough, they're gone, right? They come back usually. But, but so I realized that there, were, that there were many of you perhaps who weren't here last week. And so for that reason, I asked that we have some more of these cards. They're out on the tables uh, right outside the doors. And I can't go into this in great detail, but, but here's what I ask folks to do is we split this up into eight different phrases, and I'm going to quickly tell you what those are. But, but what I asked our folks to do during the season of Lent is simply to circle, not, not two, but just one of those phrases that each day you'll put this card someplace where you will remember it. And so if you were here last week and you remembered it, but you realize that you haven't been doing it, this is a good reminder. If you weren't here, then let me remind you uh, or let me let you know what we were talking about. We talked about our Father and, and, and the reality, especially if you look at what comes right before and right after the Lord's uh, prayer, is that this is a, the sense that God notices us. Just like a good father will notice his children 
question that God notices us. And if so, if in this period of your life you're questioning the love of God or if God notices you, then, then, then you can circle our Father and think about that every day during Lent. Or who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We talked about the fact that that means that God is God and completely other. God is God and we are not. That's exactly right. So if you are struggling right now, perhaps with anxiety of finances or health or whatever it may be, to remember at the end of the day that God is God. God is in control. And so perhaps you should circle that. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, this should be rolling off of our tongues by now because we keep talking about this in the Sermon on the Mount. And this is the question as to whether or not we are actually willing um, to really pursue God's kingdom or if we just like to think about it. And if that's a struggle that you have, then perhaps you could circle that. Give us this day our daily bread. That's the one that I've circled. And there's a couple things that you can do with that. One of those is if, if you're someone for whom every day you realize you have bread, you have shelter, and yet you take it for granted, then perhaps you should circle that as a way of remembering and being thankful. Or it's also a way to remember that that's not always the case. And there are people in our community and in our world for whom daily bread is not a given. And what might we do in order to pray or give to them? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We've mentioned how in the Sermon on the Mount, kind of the sense of forgiveness comes up again and again in one form or fashion. And if we, as we've been talking about this, if there's a particular person that you know is on your mind, perhaps every day during the season of Lent, you can pray for that person. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Again, we could have gone in various and sundry ways on this, but we wanted to focus on the word us, the community. And perhaps during the season of Lent, you simply want to pray for us here at ZPC, to pray that God would guide us, that God would protect us, that God would give us the courage to continue to be the kingdom people that he wants us to be. And then we close with a doxology, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. As a sign that if you are in a place right now where you are very cognizant of God's blessings to you, then perhaps every day what you can do is simply worship God. Take a few minutes every day to be thankful for how you have seen God working in your life. And that it's amongst all of this kind of framing of the Sermon on the Mount, this framing of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, that we come into the kind of beginning towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is our passage this morning. And it's important, I think, for us to remember that because whenever we start thinking about talking about treasures in heaven versus treasures on earth, it's very easy for that to become kind of ethereal or fluffy, if you will, this treasures of heaven. What exactly is that? What is, what is Jesus meaning? And I think it may be helpful for us to think about that within the framework of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Because I think that what Jesus is doing is he's not saying, look, don't even think about the material things of the earth, I think that actually what Jesus is saying is he's saying, Where, what are the things of God's kingdom that we can be investing in here on earth that reflect how things are up in heaven? Let me say it again. What are the things what are the things that are happening in heaven, if you will, the way that things will be in, the, in, the, in God's kingdom that we can invest in here that then reflect 
God's kingdom back. So if, as we've been talking about, those treasures in heavens are things like forgiveness, are things like being the salt and the light, are, are, are things like caring even for those who do not care about you or for you, in what way then is that investing in eternal things, but doing so even right here and right now? Because when we act like that, when we treat one another as like that, we end up looking much more like heaven than we do with what we actually oftentimes see on earth. Now that can be a little confusing, so let me kind of keep going with what I'm saying here. Jesus uh, goes on and he talks about our eyes. And that's an important thing for us to see. What Jesus says is that the eyes are the lamp of the body. And when the eyes are healthy, then we're full of light. And when the eyes are unhealthy, then we are full of darkness. Oftentimes, it's been pointed out, when we think of eyes in our day and age, we simply think of them as recipients of light, right? The light just comes through the eyes. But when Jesus was talking about light in his time, the understanding was that that we are full of either light or darkness internally, and that then goes out to the eyes so that we can then look out. And if things are lit up inside of us, right, if we have the light of Christ inside us, then we are able to see things more clearly. Clearly. And if we do not, if we have darkness, if we have smudges on our eyes, if you will, then we are not able to see out nearly as clearly. To put it another way, how things are going internally shape dramatically how we understand what we see externally. When I was at seminary, the summer before I went to seminary, my cousin uh, started dating a girl who was from central Alaska and from Fairbanks. And he said, you know what, let's, let's drive up to Fairbanks. You've, you know, you can quit your job. Let's go up there, find a job up there just for the summer. It's going to be great. I said, all right, so why not? So we were both living in Chicago at the time. So we each drove our cars. We went up, and, uh, and there we were in Fairbanks, Alaska. I don't, I don't know, do we have any Alaskans here? All right, so I can't be quite as honest as I was going to be. So, um, no, I'm just kidding. Alaska's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's full of very interesting people. And sometimes, not always, not usually, but sometimes there's a reason why people are in Alaska, why they want to be so far away, right? And so it's, it, it is, it's incredibly far away. And Fairbanks especially, there, right there in the very central part of Alaska is, you know, is very different. And so I'll be honest with you, I loved it for the first month or so, but by the end of the summer, I could not wait to get out. I was ready to make it back down to the lower, 48, as they say. And so on the day I was supposed to leave, my cousin had already left. He left me behind, and there I was. And, and, and I went to start my car, and it wouldn't start, right? Which is, of course, very angering. And it came to me out that it was a starter. And so I had to wait for several hours for the mechanic to start the car and all of that, right? To fix all that. So I got started really late. And so I could only go a few hours that day. I was very frustrated. And so the next morning, I woke up early and I said, I am out of here. I am going to drive all the way through British Columbia if I can. And so I started driving. And that day, 
I drove a thousand miles, and I, I, and this was not just kind of nicely paved roads, right? This was a, a lot of windy roads, some unpaved roads, but I did not care. I said, I am out of here. So for 20 hours, I was driving. It was just me and my car and the wilderness, right? It was it was great. And but by the end, I'd say around hour 16, it was probably around 10 o'clock at night or so. I was getting really tired and really bored. And so I did what you do when you're in those kind of situations, which is that as I was driving, I decided to turn off all the lights and just see how dark it was, right? Which, of course, would have been fine had I not been traveling 50 or so hours, uh, miles an hour, right? But, but it was fine, but it was, it was, quite frankly, it was really cool because you turned it off and there was just darkness, and I don't know if you've ever been in the middle. I'm sure most of you have. In the middle where there's absolutely no lights, right? Where there's nothing, right? But when you do it, it is so dark. It's really cool. And it's kind of exhilarating, right? So I would turn it back on. The first time I only did it for about a second, you know, because you don't want to be foolish about these things. And so, uh, and so I turned it back on. I was like, oh, that's cool. But, but after a while, that got a little boring just doing it for a second. So I did it for a couple seconds, right? And, and, then, and then flip it back on and be like, whoa, that's cool. Nothing bad happened. And so we just kind of kept going, right? And until the last time I did this. And I had it off. I'm sure it wasn't that long. It was probably just a few seconds. And when I flipped the lights back on, all of a sudden, right there in front of me was a herd of caribou. And these are not small animals. Now, as soon as I saw it, I slammed on the brakes and I started you know, going towards the side of the road, because of course they weren't on the side of the road, they were in the middle of the road, and I got, and I got right up to them, and my car stopped. And the caribou, right, kind of looked at me, they were unamused, to say the least, and they kind of sauntered off into the darkness. My point to the story is that what I was doing inside the vehicle, what I was doing inside shaped dramatically how I saw things on the outside. When the lights were on inside, when I had turned them on and the lights were flowing through, I could see pretty well out there. But when I decided out of foolishness to turn the lights off, all of a sudden the outside, nothing changed. It all looked the same, but I could not see it. I could not navigate it. I did not know what caribou or other things might be in the way. And we all know that when it comes to our vehicles. But I'm not sure that we all act like that and know that when it comes to who we are as people. I'm not sure that we always realize that how we are doing internally shapes dramatically how we see the world externally. If you're a person who understands the generosity of God, as we've talked about oftentimes in your own life, then when you look out, you see things in generous terms. If you are a person who is insecure and you battle things, when you see somebody or when they say something, you wonder, were they talking about this about me? Were they talking about that about me? Was that this? Was that that? Even though they said nothing that perhaps had anything to do with anything else. When we are aligned and have the light of Christ flowing through us internally, we see the external world in dramatically different fashion. 
And so it seems to me, a part of what Jesus is saying is, if you want to be a people who are about the kingdom of God, you can't just focus on the external things, on those things that you're doing. You also have to ask the important question of how well the light of Christ is flowing within you. And one of the ways in which we do that, it seems to me, is by simply coming in here to worship. I think that worship is one of the most significant ways that we stoke the fires within us to make sure that Christ is within us and is glowing. Because each time that you come in here, you are faced with the question of whether or not you are living in the light or whether or not you have allowed the darknesses and the struggles of the outside world to dim who you are. In the outside world, it is all about who you are as an individual. When you come in here as a community, you are saying it is not just about who I am. It is about who we are. It's one of the reasons why I am convinced of this, that when it comes to singing songs, what actually makes you full of the light of Christ even more is not the words of a song. It's whether or not you like the song. Because if you don't like it, That will shape you in much more dramatic ways if you say, I don't like this song, but I see this person over here who does like it, and I am going to celebrate how that person is able to worship. Because it means it's not all about you or me. When we come in here and when we start off with a call to worship, you realize what we're saying. We're saying, this is about God. We are acknowledging this is about God. It's not just about me and I am not the center of the world. When we take the offering every week as we take the offering, we're not doing it simply to pay for the lights (laughs) or uh, your giving's been down or... Or for the staff, right? Though we certainly are appreciative. No, because every time that you give, you are forced with the question, am I investing in heaven or am I investing merely in the earthly treasures? You come here and you listen to sermons, not because you couldn't come up with anything more interesting to do. There will always be, always be people who are more, who are funnier and who are more interesting than whomever it is that is preaching for you. You come here because you believe, it seems to me, that within the words of Scripture and by reflecting on Scripture, there you can be fed. There you can be reminded of God's love for you and God's call on you, that there is more to this life than what we oftentimes see. You see, coming into here every week as a body is more than just an obligation, I hope and pray. It is a chance to be rekindled within you in the light. It is a chance to say, this is what makes me valuable. This is, why, this is where my priorities are. This is why I am loved. This is my calling. And the more that we understand worship as that, the more that we can understand the connection between what we do in here and what we do when we go out there. Because the more that we understand and we continue to grow in Christ here, the more that this fills up with light, the more that we then see in every place we go where we can shine the light of Christ. When you leave this place, you are like a car. And wherever you go, you can decide whether or not you want to turn the lights on or whether when you go to a place, you decide to turn it off or to simply dim it. 
One of the great things or great tragedies of the church, as I'm sure I've said before, is the fact that we have so often implied, at least, that the really light things that you do for Christ are those things that are official church things. But what Jesus wants you to know is that if your light is the lamp, then wherever it is you go and whatever it is you do, you have opportunities to shine the light of Christ. We have people here who are hairstylists. And one of the great things about being a hairstylist is that when you sit there, and guess what you do a lot of? Talking and listening. And so I wonder, for those of you who do hair, as you're sitting there, do you take the opportunity to say, how might the light of Christ shine in what I'm doing? We have a lot of educators around here, and I wonder as you're sitting there and as you're, you're educating and as you're, you're either working with children or your administration, how is the light of Christ shining through you in the ways that you love the children? We have a lot of people here who work with money and finance or whatnot. How can you do your job so that you realize that money is not the end, but it can be a great means in order to help further the kingdom of God? Whether you're a CEO or whether you, whether you work in a kitchen or whether you're an attorney or it doesn't matter, whatever it is that you do, you are a car and you are going out there as a conduit of Christ's light if you decide not to turn the light off. And my hope and my prayer, brothers and sisters in Christ, is that when we come into this place, that we will begin to see how connected that is to what we are doing out there. And that the more that we allow the light of Christ to flow in us and through us, the more we will be able to shine the light of God's coming kingdom as we go out to wherever it is that we work, wherever it is that we live, wherever it is that we play. May we be a people willing to turn the headlights on. And because of that, May others experience the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen.